Welcome to Trans Canada Stories. I'm Cynthia Sweeney and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Emma Stanley. I use she, her pronouns. In this podcast, we go beyond the binary coast to coast, telling the stories of trans people as people. Having driven through wind and snow and the Cobequid Pass, today's guest is on the road for her tour and is here today in Halifax to chat with us. Sophie Lavelle is a neurodivergent trans cartoonist and novelist from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. She is a prolific author of the webcomic Assigned Male, which has been running since 2014. Welcome to the studio, Sophie. Thanks for having me. We are really excited to have you here today. And uh, but how like how is your trip here? I, I think it wasn't with without a little bit of East Coast maritime winter weather. It was eventful. We hit the first big snowstorm in Eastern Quebec, and uh, and yeah, it's been uh, filled with fun adventures and encounters. Loved it. Oh, well, we're so glad you're here, and we can't wait to hear um, about all the stops you're taking while you are here in uh, in Nova Scotia, uh, and and having you on the show. So, Sophie, what brings you to Nova Scotia? Um, you mentioned you were on a tour, a last big splash in Canada. Yeah, well, uh, I've been touring a lot for the past year um, and a few months, but uh, the, the tour is ending. The tour has pretty much already uh, ended, uh, but I was back in Canada for the launch of my newest novel in French, En Coup de Vin. Uh, French being my first language, uh, I've been just like casually uh publishing novels like that but um but it was also the international book fair in montreal so uh that's why i crossed the atlantic because right now i live in finland so yeah i don't get to come to canada that often and since i was in the country i figured that i would you know accept some uh invitations for uh, for talks, and that's why I'm here. I'm going to be speaking at um, at a school in Halifax, and yeah, I'm catch up with friends, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what does it look like when you when you go to a school? Uh, well, it really depends on the vibe. Sometimes I just follow the the lead of the students. Uh, you know, if they are very receptive to my jokes, then I will tell more jokes. And um, if they want to know everything about being a cartoonist, then I will talk about my work and my job and if the questions are a little more serious or like based in activism then I'm more likely to talk about queer and trans issues mm -hmm. or uh, feminism or um, all sort of social activism I guess. So it, it can take lots of very different uh, roads. I was speaking uh, in Ontario last week actually. Um, on. Well, I'm around, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I announced uh, this this leg of my uh, school tour, uh, and people in Vancouver were like, "Well, what about us?" You know, uh -huh. and I was like, "Well, there's like <laughs> it's a little bit <laughs> a off time the track. Limit <laughs> it's off the beaten track." <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be back home before Christmas because living in Finland, uh. um, we have had snow for. Uh, already six or seven weeks okay. so wow. uh so yeah my husband is stuck at home we live in the forest in the mountains and oh. um and so he's stuck at home shoveling and uh, <laughs> i need to go back it still sounds beautiful um yeah <laughs> so uh i was reading about your past experience in Nova Scotia and I know that in 2017 there was a book tour that had to get cancelled and 
um, there was a lot of emotion surrounding that, a lot of um, hate coming in through the mail, but a lot of support coming in from locals. Uh, has that experience changed the way that you do tours? Uh, it changed a lot of things for me, uh, a lot of them for the better. Because, um, you know, when that happened, uh, when this far-right forum decided to, uh, you know, send hate mail to the venue and uh, shout out to Venus Envy, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <in> Halifax. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, when they decided to do that and we decided to pull up the event, I, I was landing in Halifax. I didn't drive this time. I didn't have my driver license yet. Uh, so I took the plane and um, as as the plane was landing, I was, you know, putting uh, airplane mode off. Um, uh, I just yeah. got the news that, uh, you know, nothing was happening. So, yeah, I met up with uh, journalists who were interested to tell the story. And um, it was on the front page of most national newspapers the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, still today, half my readership um know about my work because of that event uh, I, I doubled my readership back then uh, I was doing a, a a book launch and and you know the, the the book sold out within hours the next day so <laughs> do we say thank you to the haters oh, yes. for, no. thank you haters <laughs> like, yeah, thank you for um, <laughs> but it did hope open my eyes to um, how anti-trans activism mm -hmm. was becoming uh, this thing that was organized and had a force of of, of action that uh, we didn't foresee mm. a f just a few years ago. I've been doing activism since uh, 2009, 2010, and I would have never imagined what this became, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with such important figures uh, taking sides against trans people i'm thinking about you know a certain uh wizard school writer um, yeah. and mm -hmm. um they are organized um you know i've been touring in the uk where uh you know they, they've got politicians uh siding with uh actual radical anti-trans people mm -hmm. you know um who are doing full-time activism against our existence and that's very worrying and uh, it also forced me to move because th it's that same moment mm -hmm. when um i got doxxed my address mm -hmm. got leaked on uh, on a far-right forum and i had to to move and and so yeah it really made me aware of the dangers that came with doing these comics you know I, i've been getting hate mail uh i've been getting haters since the very beginning mm -hmm. of course you know it's the internet after all have you been on the internet um but but to see it become so uh organized and um you know threatening people in meat space that was definitely something uh I, di I didn't understand when I started my work mm -hmm. uh, doing doing these comics in 2014. Is that when you decided then to move from Montreal to Finland? Or was it, did you go by via the UK first and then to Finland? Or Oh my God, uh, no, I met a Finnish guy. Ah. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
it was in 2017 that we met actually. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's actually funny because uh, it's related to Halifax. Oh. Uh, yes, because after this this whole thing happened, you know, to see the response from my audience, from the public and the outpour of support, I really wanted to hit back at the haters. And so I announced a world tour you know, <laughs> and, and any organization who wanted to invite me could. And so I was invited to give a series of talks uh, in Finland for the Finnish Comic Society. And, uh, and I met my husband there, who's you know, a member of the of the comic society and um and yeah <laughs> that's why I live wow. in Finland. <laughs> so you went there and you just never came back. You said this is it? I'm... Practically, yeah. Wow. No. Uh houses they have saunas in them, you know. Mm. And uh, it's very hard to, to just step away from that, you know, to <laughs> lower standards so much that houses don't have saunas de facto in them. I know. It's, <laughs> I really once you have a sauna you just can't <laughs> Is Finland then really inclusive? Like, what would it be? What would it be like there as far as trans inclusion? Well, there's several aspects to that. Uh, I love Finland because Finnish is uh, a language that is completely non-gendered. Okay. And, uh, Interesting. They don't even like use gendered titles. Like mm. they exist. They they have them, but you'll never get gendered on a daily basis. You know, we we call the president. Uh, Mr. Maybe, but that that's it, you know. So living there, um, especially during the pandemic where we didn't go out, I just spent like two whole years not being gendered at all, which which was just felt amazing. Uh, also, they have a very different relation to bodies um, because because of saunas. Actually, you know, they're trained really young to uh, just bring in all the different bodies uh, in that room, you know. Of oh. course, you know, that they're mm. also humans. They, okay. they, they, <laughs> there is transphobia, there is um, body shaming, fatphobia, and such and such. But uh, they don't have this uh, puritanist relation to bodies where it's shameful and, uh, you know, you need to cover it. And um, mm-hmm. no, uh, I, I like that aspect of it. Um but for several decades, uh, you know, they've been trying a lot since the 60s to appease both Russia and NATO to just play both sides all the time. And that has transpired in several social uh, policies uh, surrounding, you know, queer rights, for example, and trans rights. now it's a lot more um, assumed um, their, their side. Yeah, they, they they've just joined NATO, mm-hmm. so uh, uh, they've made huge progress in the past decade concerning trans and queer rights. So um, it's not uh, looking so so uh, so bland over there. That's excellent. I know that you speak English and French. Are you learning Finnish? Are you? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. You mentioned that Finnish linguistically is really easy in terms of gender because it doesn't use gender very frequently. Um, coming from French, which is a, an extremely gendered language, did you find writing in French for a queer audience a challenge because of its uh, its very gendered nature? It's a cha- challenge because of how organized French is. You know, uh, we worship words in French in the sense that 
you know, if it's not in the dictionary, we can't use it. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's it's a big thing, especially like in a minority context, like mm -hmm. in Canada, where um, language is often, you know, winding in several communities mm -hmm. and... Uh, Uh, we're much more aware of the decline of French in Canada. And so uh, creating words, creating uh, new syntax to accommodate realities that, uh, you know, people weren't uh, as aware of several decades ago uh, without the assentment of the French Academy, l'Académie Française. If the this bunch of old white man in France don't approve of a word, then it doesn't exist. And so uh, for me, for myself, you know, as an activist, as someone who has been participating in trans communities for uh, so many years, um, it's always been like, you know, it goes without saying that I will use new words mm -hmm. that L'Académie Française didn't mm -hmm. uh, accept or something. They, they went ahead. They had a debate once. Uh, I think it was 2017 as well. Um, <laughs> big year for you. Yeah, <laughs> big year. <laughs> they, uh, uh, they had this debate uh, about um, uh, what we call inclusive writing, mm. uh, which, uh, you know, um, basically just says that uh, masculine isn't the default and uh, cannot just use masculine to mean every gender and uh, they, they they went ahead and concluded uh, their debate to say that um, uh, inclusive writing was a death sentence for French mm. uh, French is so oh. fragile mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you just touch it wrong or look at it uh, wrong and bam it's, it's over it's, it's broken terrible <laughs> Time to take a break from this Trans Canada Stories for a TD Connected Communities moment. To all those listening, we've got an exciting giveaway happening. To enter for a chance to win a signed novel by Sophie LaBelle, click the link below and tell us the name of one of her comics or books. That was a TD Connected Community moment because community matters. I wonder, was this the year? So I have a comic that I purchased from Cape and Cowell, Comics and Collectibles, from our good friend Jay, um, We Won't Be Erased. Was this 2017 or was this sooner? Because I feel like No, that's... it was 2019. Oh, was it? So it was a little bit later. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it is related to, um, it was a massive campaign in 2017. I wasn't the only trans artists being targeted. They targeted mm. several other people. They decided to focus on me because after the backlash from the whole thing in Halifax again, yes, um, my readers got together and got uh, a, a very big alt-right group uh, on Facebook uh, deleted from, from mm. the platform. And so this, well they decided to focus on me after that for their campaign to drive trans people off of the internet. They wanted to make the internet unsafe for trans people because they realized how the internet was creating communities that were empowering for trans people because that's hardly something we had access to prior to social media. Uh, when I started transitioning in the early 2000s, we weren't allowed as trans people to have friends that were trans. They were, um, you know, doctors would be suspicious of mm -hmm. that, uh, of, you know, people participating in 
uh, community trans events and stuff like that because they feared that we were being brainwashed, you know, and, and stuff like that. And so before social media, it was really hard to talk together. It was very dangerous before that to have several trans people being seen together and, and things like that um, because it was also easy targets. And, um, and there's power in numbers, right? When they isolate yeah. you, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, but, uh, it stifles. Uh, but yeah, that's the reason why uh, they started uh, doing all these campaigns against trans people on the internet first. And they've been like, working on their discourse, on their messaging, mm -hmm. and we're seeing the results from that. And in 2019, the, the We Won't Be Erased um, hashtag uh, on social media uh, started get, getting a lot of attention because it was actually the, the response from trans communities to, this, to, to these campaigns to, um, uh, to get rid of... Uh, of transness uh, in online spaces. Uh, you've been writing books, comics, coloring books, and novels um, since I think 2014. Writing, coloring books. That's funny. <laughs> Constructing? Um, coloring, illustrating? What first drove you to start making your comic? Uh, well, comics, I've always been making comics. I uh, started making comics when I was seven. It, it, really became my first mode of expression. That was something that uh, every adult around me really encouraged mm -hmm. because, <laughs> because uh, I had been diagnosed with a severe case of the genders. Um, mm, yes. The genders. Yes, very sad. Sounds, sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Uh, we're seeing, I was seeing doctors. Uh, my, uh, my parents thought there was something wrong with my hormones. I mean, ultimately, mm. right? Mm. Yes. Fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but... Um, yes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember this, this one uh, pediatrician we went to see uh, who who just, you know, he gave me a, a full checkup, health checkup and everything. And he just took my mom aside and was just like, Miss, have, have you considered your child might just be very gay? That <laughs> 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 anyway, was the context um, in my childhood. And... Um, and when I got interested into comics when I was around seven mm -hmm. um, and I started making comics, you know, uh, comics back back in the 90s, last century, uh, that was... Archie, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> ready for that. <laughs> that was cold. Um, no, but it was uh, perceived as this masculine yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, very gender affirming yeah. for your parents. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so th they've really encouraged me in, in, into making comics and... Uh, all the adults around me at school and everything. Uh, my schoolmates, I was getting bullied quite a bit. But, but comics became my my, my shell um, and my mode of defense. And I kept making comics my entire childhood, my teenagehood. And um, when I started Assignment Comics in 2014, it was mostly because I felt like I was very much done with activism. You know, since I was a teenager, I've been giving talks uh, in schools, talking. Well, back then, you know, it wasn't because I was an author. It was because I was a trans youth. And, uh, I was in the media a lot, talking about that, talking about um, all these things. Uh, I was doing ac environmental activism as well. 
I was part of feminist groups at school and college and in the university. And when I started my comics, I was like, okay, I'm going to make something that communities can use as a resource, as, a, as tools, so that they can catch a breath, you know, can, they can take a break uh, from activism. They yeah. can, I'm just going to lay it all out mm -hmm. so I don't have to do it ever again. That was 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> Still laying it out. <laughs> and how many have you published since? I think? I, I'm at page about uh, 1,600. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm not, I don't feel like stopping. I've been drawing a lot less lately, I must say, especially after um, uh, after this uh, speaking tour in the UK that I've done, especially in the UK, it was pretty intense. Um, the uh, MP of Penis Town, uh, which is a county in England. Yes, it's a real thing. No, it is real. Okay. It's, it's <laughs> really? Uh, yes. It's near uh, Yorkshire. So she, uh, it's, it is near oh, is Yorkshire. It? <laughs> uh, Sheffield. Oh, there. Okay. Yep. Oh, um, my goodness. And uh, and yeah, she she wrote in the media. She denounced my tour to say that uh, oh, wow. you know uh, I was all the, the, the usual about grooming children and if and you live like in that. Penis Town, yes. And so there was um, demonstrations <sighs> planned against my my talk at yes. at you know leaving for that uh, UK tour. Um, I basically just said you know, goodbye to my husband, not knowing if I would see him again. I was in that mindset and it was mm. very traumatizing, the whole process of it, because yeah. then the, the, all the um, the far-right media uh, were harassing me as well. And um, it ended up being a super nice event. Uh, there was a counter demonstrations uh, there Good. that vastly outnumbered the, mm -hmm. uh, the first protest. <laughs> It does seem, though, like as let's say let's say the game is getting easier, but the stakes are getting worse. Where uh, compared to maybe fifteen years ago, we have a lot more freedoms and certainly a lot more uh, representation, a greater voice. But at the same time, trans people are facing this sort of unprecedented level of rage, and and I'm curious for someone who's been living openly for so long. Do you think we're in a better position now than we were? Oh, it's so different. Um, it's, <laughs> I know it's, it's just not so a very different question, from but... fifteen years ago. Um, I, I keep meeting, you know, uh, trans youth, young adults who are living their best lives, but at what cost? Mm -hmm. um, the sense that. Uh, you know, just stepping outside is activism now uh, because, you know, our mere existence is mm -hmm. seen as uh, a threat and um, something to be debated and something to be challenged. And, uh, and yeah, we've seen uh, the amount of hate that people have uh, towards us uh, a few weeks ago when they did all these protests against mm -hmm. trans people uh, throughout Canada. And, uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, that was a very scary moment to realize that amount of anger towards us. Um, and, uh, and so I, I couldn't answer that mm -hmm. in, in the sense that a lot more people are out. A lot more people um, aren't 
waiting until you know mm-hmm. they have less responsibilities. Uh, I suppose that you know back um, like 15 years ago, uh, most of the activism was towards employment and housing and and things like that. N- now I think I think it wouldn't fly as much uh, if you know people were found to be discriminated um, against. Uh, on the workplace mm-hmm. or uh, for housing, it still happens, of course. Uh, maybe we don't know the extent of how much it, it's happening, but I think uh, people are much more aware and people are much more. Um, there's more visibility, and I guess there's the awareness with mm-hmm. the, the measured amount of confusion with some, and then people that are just becoming aware because, oh, my friend's child is, or I I know of somebody or you're, you know, directly connected. I mean, for me as a parent of a trans child who right now they're going through the process of applying to different universities. And it's interesting on every different place that they've applied so far, they've had, um, like the opportunity to put uh, another gender, um, which is really interesting. They're thinking about it. Now, some of them don't get it right. I think one was male, female, or transgender. I was like, what? No, but I'm like, you know, it's funny. I said to him, I'm like, what do you want to click there? He's like, oh, I'm going to click it because maybe I'll have a better chance of getting in. So it's like, okay. He's like, I got to use what I got to use. I got to use what I do have, mom, (laughs) you know? But, uh, But, you know, at least they're thinking about it at that level. They're creating residence situations that are safer for trans people, giving them the option of, you know, uh, I think one university has like a whole dorm, you know, with if you self-identify as LGBTQ2+, you can house on two levels there. And then in other ones, you can have your own space with your own bathroom. And yeah, so, you know, that's that's Mm -hmm. that's that's, um, hopeful to me. Like, I feel safer about him launching him out into the big Mm -hmm. bad world. But mm -hmm. I've heard a point of view Mm -hmm. here and there that the like this there's so much more anger about it because it's getting easier and that this is sort of the last gasp of large-scale anti-trans sentiment. And that's that's kind of the the version of it well, that I'm hoping for. Yeah, <laughs> That'd be great. I, I think we need to brace ourselves, though. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, being realistic, uh, there's a movement towards um, the far right throughout the world as well. Uh, it doesn't take much to... Yeah completely balanced on the other side. And uh, I want to be prepared for for, mm-hmm. for that eventually, eventuality. Yeah, I agree. I think talking about, you know, the fragility of human rights, I think everybody needs to be aware of that because, you know, one side may fall, but it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop there. Um, so we try to talk a lot for mm-hmm. education that, you know, it does impact everybody and it takes a village. Um, I grew up, you know, uh, thinking of progress as being linear, you know, mm-hmm. as a, um as a queer youth um as a queer child you know people would kept telling me my entire childhood that you know it's gonna get better and uh, you're gonna get right and you know you will live freely uh like that and um i've stopped seeing it as linear and more like cyclical you mm. know and um it does help me process a lot of the things that are happening and seeing it like taking a step back and seeing the grand scale king behind mm-hmm. it uh you need to be prepared for the backlash and for uh different magnitudes of mm-hmm. of um 
I think it's really hopeful, though, for the next generation, the young generation coming up, too, to see you and all of your successes and your living, you know, you're living with your partner, husband in Finland. Uh, you have a sauna. So it's like, <laughs> you know, sauna. there's a lot. I have two saunas. <laughs> I know oh, it's a thing. Two. That's a thing. It's one too many so saunas. So one is a dry sauna and one <laughs> is... Sauna. No, the other is... Uh, one is electrical. The other is smoke sauna. Okay. Oh, okay. It's more traditional. Um, Finns, uh, they, they kind of look down on electric sonas. They're like, well, it's fine, I guess. But... <laughs> Uh, before we wrap, I would love to um, just take it into the art for a minute, too, because I think that's how I found you is my son loves art. He has decided he wants to study fine arts. That's all he does. And it's gotten him through a lot of ups and downs as well over the years. And so for the artists that are out there listening, I'm just wondering, like, when you do your illustrations, like, do you have a favorite, um, like, is it like a particular kind of marker or paints or like a sort of a favorite, like, are you sketching them or painting them or process i also do uh digital now yes so i use a uh, clip studio paint okay. uh the software and i use a cintiq uh tablet um which has an integrated screen on it so you draw like on paper basically the most important part of the process of creating comics for me is to draw all of my ids on paper first as quickly as possible. I just need to throw all the ideas on paper, usually with a pen, so I cannot like smudge or erase it, you mm. know, just so that every, the whole process remains there for whenever I need to go back to it. Uh, also being far from any electronics when I create new content uh, is very important for me because I have ADHD and uh, it makes it, very difficult for me um, to focus on stories on creating new material. When I have access to social media, uh, my 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 brain is soup and uh, it's just gonna leak everywhere <laughs> if I let it out of the container. And so, I usually go to a coffee shop. That's my plan for this afternoon. Actually, you'll find me in Halifax if you if you're listening to this uh, in a few months and you're like, I think I saw her at this coffee <laughs> shop. She looked lost in space and time. Uh, yes, that's me just staring at uh, at my sketchbook. Um, just just for several hours, just writing down all the ideas and uh, being far from social media. That sounds wonderful. Um, I've got time for one more question. You've just finished two novels. Uh, what's next? What's next? Uh, it was the, the Montreal Book Fair uh, this weekend and uh, met several people from my publishing house who are just very eager for the next one. So I <laughs> guess I'm going to be working work, work, work. on that. Fantastic. Yes, in the Finnish winter, uh, <laughs> in between shoveling sessions. <laughs> um, but uh, I really want to work on uh, masculinity in um, in adolescence. My nephew uh, is 12 currently, and uh, I can see like the different forces in his own community, pulling him different places, uh, giving him like views of the world that are a very archaic and a very misogynistic and it is present in our society and um and you know uh 
I've been babysitting him since since he was a baby, and to see how um, how strong this pull can be for young teenagers, you know, uh, I want to address that. I want to talk about radicalization in in, in youth, and uh, and that's probably gonna be the next subject uh, for for my. I novel. look forward to it. Then <laughs> I really look forward to seeing that. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming in and hanging out with us for a bit today. Uh, I'm glad that the snow didn't keep you away from us for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I would love for you to send us a photo when you're back in Finland with all the snow around and uh, and share Northern it with lights. us. <laughs> you want, do yes. you want Northern Lights? Definitely. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes, please. Northern Lights. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, we look forward to hearing when your next uh, your next piece of work is out. Yeah, also by Halifax. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. It's the end of the road for this episode of Trans Canada Stories. If you'd like more information on our other programming, check out simplygoodform.com. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast and that we'll see you again next time.